Good day, everyone. You're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 60, When the End is Near. I'm your host, Alex, and today I have the honor to have Angela as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I was worried that this interview would not work out because of my technical difficulties on my end, but it seems like everything is working out so far, so fingers crossed, knocking on wood. But yeah, I'm very excited for this episode because I have no idea how to approach it, but I'm ready to approach it head on. It's a weird subject, but I think it's very popular. Um, there is very large community of us. So I thought I was weird when I was younger, but it turns out that I'm the norm. So that's cool. Perfect. So yeah, we're going to actually just jump right into it. But actually, no, we're not going to jump right into it. That's not what I usually do. I jump right into my guest's back life a little bit. So before we go into the hobby, who is Angela? Okay. So I was born in LA. And I grew up there and I went to university there and and graduated with a bachelor's in music industry studies, which basically means I don't play an instrument. So it's pretty useless music degree. But yeah, and then I met my husband and moved to Canada. So London, Ontario, and we work from home. We've always done stuff from home. And I just started a podcast about, I guess, death in general, because I was so interested in it. And that's basically what we're going to talk about today is death, like everything surrounding it. Yes. And uh, before we jumped into that, uh, you mind giving out your social media links or websites so people can follow you right before this episode so, get, so they can have something to watch or look at. Not Don't listen to two podcasts at the same time. Either listen to hers first and then mine or vice versa. But uh, yeah. Sure. Um, mine is called People Keep Dying. And it, that's the website name. That's our Instagram handle, our Twitter account, my Facebook. I keep seeing our because I used to have a partner, like a co-host, but she ended up having to leave. So I'm doing it by myself now. So um, you can reach at me at peoplekeepdying at gmail.com. But if you basically type it in, you'll, you'll be able to find me. So I understand the struggle of doing it on your own. It's, it's tough, but it's rewarding at the same time. It is because then I have a lot more control over like what I'm cutting out and I know exactly what I'm putting out. But at the same time, it's so much more work. Like my social media has definitely taken a giant hit because that's what I was doing. And she was doing all the audio editing. But I didn't I don't really enjoy any of that stuff. Like I don't enjoy social media at all. I don't even have one for myself, really. Like I have them, but pictures of like my dog and my cat so you know if you look for any information on me online it's very sparse it's a very tricky day and age for the internet and social media you you don't know what to post what not to post and it's tricky even i i agree that it's even tricky for me i'm like is this something that people might be interested in maybe no yeah okay (laughs) yeah it's like i'm at that age now too i think i'm at that weird age where um, cause I'm 33. So it's one of those things where I grew up in a generation when we didn't have internet and we didn't have smartphones. Like I didn't get a smartphone until I was in university. So it's just kind of weird now that like, we're so connected to everyone, but I'm, I don't have an interest in letting people know what I'm doing. Cause it's not like you're doing anything all the time. Yeah. Guys, stop being nosy. Don't, don't look into yeah, Angela's just- life. Come on. <laughs> it's you know like if you do all you'll find out is that i really like eating and i really love my pets because my husband also hates social media so he also doesn't have any pictures really or really any information on him either it's the same thing the only place you'll learn about angela is on her podcast called 
people keep dying. And I won't be talking about myself. <laughs> no, she's very well alive. I can guarantee that. Yeah. <laughs> if she was dead, then this would be a very interesting t- uh, episode for sure. It'd be a much more interesting podcast if I was dead and this was like a seance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a spiritual podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But for yes, sure. today's topic is death. How did you get introduced to the to- the principle of death? Well, see, I was always told when I was younger, like ha- like the many ways I'm going to die. Like there, I grew up during the LA riots. So during that time, my parents told me, because I w- yes, you're not supposed to leave your kids at home by themselves when they're like in second grade or first grade. But at that point, like you had to, because you had to work and you just close the door and then you hit, you know, you just didn't like leave any, t- like there's no t- TV noises and you just have to sit quietly inside your house and then never answer the door to anyone. And that was like the rule. So there was always like this kind of like weird fear that someone was going to come and kill me. And I think on top of that, like news was so sensationalized during that time. I remember watching like all of like the car chases and all of like the murder hunts and there was always helicopters nearby and it was just it's a constant thing and my parents also started making up really random ways that you can die like I think I'd mentioned previously to you but obviously the listeners haven't listened but there's this thing called a Korean fan death and it's this idea that if you fall asleep with a fan on with like it facing you then you'll die of suffocation okay yeah my wife never told me that (laughs) that's a weird thing like i didn't even i I thought at first that it was just my parents being crazy but then it's a there's actually like a page on wikipedia about how it's like a weird like i don't even urban legend that koreans made up i think it's just like save electricity to force kids to not waste electricity I hope I'm not really like my dad told me that if I left the ceiling fan on, then it would like fall off and then kill me while I'm sleeping. So I couldn't do it. That's an interesting bedtime story. I know. So (laughs) I got used to that. And then on top of that, like, you know, in the States, it's such a culture of watching America's Most Wanted or cops or, you know, these like cop type shows or investigation shows or like CSI type of shows. So then you kind of become obsessed with it. And then I think that's what it was. And a lot of time when I was watching like, oh, the scary thing happened, it'd be a couple of blocks away from where I lived. So that was another thing. So you could like pretty much just open up the window and see. Well, I mean, I live in like a suburbish neighborhood, but you do hear about it a lot. And my dad, or sorry, my parents both worked at a swap meet on Crenshaw Boulevard, which was kind of like, the epicenter of the LA riots. So it's just one of those things where we just grew up with like that knowledge of shit happens. And for you, what types of deaths are you mostly interested in? Is it murders, accidental, dying of old age, disease, anything around those? Um, It's all of them. Honestly, it's just the idea. I think I'm so scared of dying that it feels like you're preparing yourself more if you know about the different ways people died. And when, when I was younger, I, I had this book where it was like, I think it was called Final Exit, where and it gave you descriptions of like really random ways people died. Like one guy fell asleep in an outhouse and then froze to death on the toilet. And like that kind of weird, like what's going on kind of stuff interests me so much because, yeah, it's just it's so I think sudden deaths are what I'm really interested in. Uh, so you do a lot of research about death. 
how much does the mystery aspect play a role in your interest in death? I think, see, I grew up with religion in my family. So there was always this idea of like, you're going to be able to go somewhere after you die. But I became very cynical, like every teenager did back in the day. And so I just, I don't know, like, there, there is no end mystery to me. I don't, I think you die. And then I just, it's like the interest of knowing like how someone dies or it's like this weird fear. Like, I think it's like watching one of those suspenseful movies and then you feel this relief in the end when something good happens, like the guy gets caught or something. I think that's the reason why I'm so interested in that. Is that weird? No, no, no. That's not know. weird at all. No, <laughs> there's nothing weird about being interested in things. Yeah. And speaking about interests, is there a specific region in the world that you prefer to focus on? Because you said you have some background of Korea, United States, and Canada. Is there any other regions? I like focusing mostly in Asian countries, and that's specifically because Asian countries have the lowest crime rates. So whenever something bad happens, it's big news. Like, it's a big deal because you, it just doesn't happen. You know, someone, unfortunately, like in the States, if someone gets shot up at uh, McDonald's, it's one day of news and then you're over it. But in Japan, I think in late May, there was like a stabbing incident and people are still talking about it because it is so rare. And I find it so interesting, like when I look at it from like a social aspect as well of how differently people treat it in different parts of the world. And so you've learned a lot about the Korea and Japan. Is there any other country in Asia or is it just mostly those two? I mostly cover Korea because I can read Korean, so I don't feel like I'm insulting them. Um, I stay away from some countries because it's harder for me to say the names and I feel really bad saying them very terribly. But I did recently cover a story in Malaysia, which was really interesting. And I did one in Taipei because I had just visited there. So it's kind of free game at this point. And I had I, I have like 40 episodes out, but because I keep jumping around all over the world, I just haven't had a chance in some countries. Okay, well, yeah, you're 40 episodes in, which is pretty, pretty incredible, which is great, meaning you're not part of that percentile that just has 10 episodes and gives up. You, you're dedicated. You had a co-host that d didn't uh, participate anymore and you're still going strong, which is fantastic. Which is very scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you ever need help, you know, from one solo podcaster to another, uh, I have resources. Uh, we'll we'll stay in touch. We'll help each other out. That's what the podcast community is about. Exactly. Thank you. Now, for you, when you do learn about these new types of deaths or murders or anything related to the afterlife, where do you go to gain your source or get your resource? I use so much Wikipedia, like so much Wikipedia. And I also do it from like listing it by country. So if you go on Wikipedia and you look up murders, you can list it by country and then you can list it by um, the year of when something happened. So I'll spend hours clicking on everyone's article. And if someone sounds slightly interesting, then I'll type their name in. And if you, as soon as you type their name in, if they end up in like a list, then I'll look at the list and see if someone else's name pops out. And that's how I end up with this like completely crazy cycle of learning new things about different people dying. And do you ever do some cross-referencing just in case to get the information correct? Because I'm sure Wikipedia is not the best for getting 100% no. proof, or, but uh, I'm sure you do a lot of cross-referencing. I do, but unfortunately for a lot of Asian countries, they don't have a ton of, you know, English articles. So getting the information of some of these murders is like 
pulling teeth. So that's really the fun part. So sometimes I'll go on YouTube and watch a ton of videos as well. And sometimes I'll still cover the story, even though I know it's going to be short, because sometimes the death is just so interesting to me that I find it like I have to cover it regardless. And are you also interested in the deaths of other living creatures, such as like animals, plants, microorganisms, viruses, <laughs> anything else that's living except for humans? Um, no, I like not really. That's I didn't know that's weird because I'm I'm fascinated with like extinction. I remember when I was younger, when which is like a weird reference, but I remember when I was younger, like the, the dodo bird was still around. I think. And when that went extinct, it was like a big deal when I was in elementary school. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, because that might not even be true at all. But I just, I find like extinction of animals so, it's sad, but it's also interesting because how does that happen, I guess, is really like my big thing. And I'm really also really obsessed with tortoises. So, you know, the Galapagos Islands have like trouble keeping certain species of tortoises like alive and not extinct. So it's really dependent on animal to animal because some animals I don't care about, which is kind of sad to say, but it's just true. No, everybody has their preferences and what is important to them. And that, that's fair. And that's how everybody combines together. It eventually becomes everybody cares about something, then it brings the world together. Yeah. Hopefully ever care, everyone cares about other people, but that doesn't seem correct anymore. So I don't know. Well, based off of all the true crime podcasts, it seems like a lot of people do not care about other people, which is unfortunate, yeah. but it makes for a podcast series, I guess. It does. It, 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 there's such a large community of true crime podcasts. I think that's another reason why I've been covering so many Asian deaths because so many podcasts like so many great podcasts out there are covering a different array of like UK or um, American or Canadian vets, but no one really focuses on the Asian countries because it is harder to get information on. So I just, I feel like I can fill a niche that I didn't know existed until I started doing it. And you're still loving it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not loving well the deaths of the people, but the whole learning experience. That's what I meant. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was already reading about it. It's been like a thing I've always enjoyed doing. Like I think reading the news and you'll see it a lot when you go on Twitter or Facebook or anything else, like people are all talking about, oh, well, this person died or this person died. Like, um, I know you're in Ottawa, but I don't know if you heard that. I think on Sunday, someone, a lady threw herself into the highway and just got hit by a car and stop traffic for three hours in a 401, which is a big deal in Toronto. I did not hear that, no. Yeah, it just happened on Sunday and we were actually on that highway and we had seen the traffic and we didn't know what was going on. But it was like a big thing because the firefighters wouldn't clean up the mess because they were, I guess like their chief was afraid that the PTSD that would be, you know, given to them from having to clean off the dead body of someone into a ditch was too much, which I can see, so. Yeah. Actually, on that note, do you think society has become more, I wouldn't say immune to deaths, but like just it, they don't they don't get as phased anymore? Oh, yeah. Because the fact that like there have been so many school shootings and no one even the only one people like most people can even name at this point is just Columbine. Like some people can name Sandy Hooks and like the other ones, but they happen so often now that it's just like, oh, well, just another shooting. 
oh, it's just another dead person by cop or it's just another dead person by neighbor or, oh, it's just another husband who killed another wife. Like, it's just it's gotten to the point where it's kind of ridiculous that it's become so normalized. And uh, what would you say would be the appropriate age for, let's say, a kid to start listening to a true a true crime podcast, per se? I don't know, because I started watching America's Most Wanted when I was like seven. <laughs> And, you know, there wasn't cursing in it, but there's definitely a lot of graphic details that kids shouldn't be listening to. So it's really dependent. I feel nowadays kids are a lot, they, they grow up so quickly because they have, they have access to the internet. And because they have access to the internet, they have access to like a slew of information that they shouldn't know so young, but unfortunately they do. So I don't know. It's really dependent on the kid, I think, too. So whoever is listening to this podcast that is a child... Just keep in mind, if you are interested about a topic, keep an open mind. Don't believe everything you see on the internet or read on the internet. Ask your parents for advice or ask questions. Be curious, but always be worried. The internet is a beautiful place, but a very ugly place at the same time. It's like you looking pretty during the day, but look ugly in the morning. That's the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. It's You can't take anything that happens online at face value anymore. And I don't think you ever could. It's just that there was just less content available. Because I remember, yeah, Ask Jeeves and Yahoo chat rooms not being filled with bots and redirecting from adult sites and stuff. So I don't know. It's a different age. Yeah, exactly. And only the kids know better than we do about technology today. We're, we're getting old. Oh. We're getting old. But we're young at heart. Always. I, <laughs> I, I refuse to learn how to use Snapchat. So yeah. You know? Snapchat is the, the one where you take pictures of your feet and you send it to your boss, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, and then okay. it disappears. <laughs> but it disappears. So there's no proof of it, even though like, I think you could take a screenshot. I wasn't really sure how that worked, but it's like a weird thing. No, no. What you have to do is you got to get your digital camera and take a picture of your phone of with that little screen on it. So that's, that's how you think. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Lots of people have digital cameras around nowadays with their smartphones. Sure. Exactly. So what would you say is the best part about learning about death on a personal and emotional level? I like I like it when I read about what happens in the trial and like what the community does for the victims. I focus a lot on that. Like my latest episode that I'm working on right now, I focus probably a good portion of the of the podcast on like how everyone rallied for that person or, you know, how people feel about that death. Cause I want to know, I, I want to know like what kind of effect that person had when they died around with everyone around them. But that doesn't mean anything either. Cause I also love reading about like random true crime things, like everything about it. It's just so interesting to me. I don't know. It's just, it's like, I guess it's like that, like opening up a bag of chips and then you eat one, but then you just have to finish all of it. The same consumption feel I feel when I read anything that happens, true crime rise, like on the internet. So you're kind of like, uh, once you finish one story, you want to jump to the next one. Do you jump to relatively similar stories or something that's completely different? It's, it really is day by day thing. <laughs> and there's no, there's no like, logic to any of the ways that I end up reading. Like I'll go from, sometimes it's like location-based. Sometimes it's depending on how I feel that day, like what I feel like reading about. Sometimes I'm just thinking like, I wonder what a cannibal would think of this. And then I'll like look up cannibals and then look up quotes. 
and then I'll look at victims and then the victims will somehow have like a weird connection to something else. And I'll end up in like a random death of someone falling off a cliff or something. So it's really, it's really weird. Now, this might also be a dark question, but would you ever be interested in interviewing somebody who has either been a witness to a murder or in the extreme cases, a murderer, let's say after they released from prison and they're back in society? I would actually really like to know someone who was released back into society because I do feel like some it depends on I, the type of murder. There's some people where I don't feel like they should have been released at all. There's a lot of people I don't think should have been released at all. And I, I think I might feel I would be too angry to interview them. I like my, I'd let my emotions get in the way, which would make me a really bad reporter, but I just wouldn't be able to do it with some, but I would want to talk to someone who survived an almost murder or someone who had witnessed one just to see like the effects and just to see like how they're doing and how they're coping and how they're managing to live. Cause I always see myself, I don't, I've never been able to visualize myself as like a murderer, but I can definitely visual myself as a victim. So like talking to someone who is a victim, I feel would help me understand, like get into the mind space as well, like the head space. Yeah. So for whoever's listening, who has been a witness or in a situation like that, you don't have to do it. But if you are interested and want to share your story, you can contact Angela. I'm sure she'll be more than happy to get you on her podcast. And she's very respectful. So if there's certain topics you don't want to talk about, you're by all means, you don't need to talk about it. But if you want to get the message out there for, let's say, people who are curious about how to maybe survive a situation like this or the after effect of it on the mental health, just contact Angela if you're interested in going on a podcast. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let Angela do the rest from that point. Uh, I won't be the middleman anymore. This, this, I just connect and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So if you're interested in any way of talking to me about a death or surviving a death or just in general, just talking about it, I would love to hear it. I love hearing like secondhand stories of that kind of stuff. In that case, uh, I don't know if this counts as a near-death experience, mm -hmm. but I guess I kind of had one. I used to work okay. on a boat. I feel like you're on the edge of your seat, like, yeah, yeah, what yeah. what's the story? Uh, no, I, I used to wor work on a boat, and uh, we would take turns either being a captain or the tour guide, and whoever was the tour guide would have to go on the back of the boat to dock the boat. So you would do a 180 to just pivot on the spot to bring the boat back onto the deck. And the person who was a tour guide would jump onto the deck, tie the boat down. It was a rainy day. So that day I tried to just step off, but my ankle twisted and I fell backwards, almost smashing my head on the metal boat. It's a pretty big boat. It's like, I think it's like called a butterfly Jeez. boat. And also, so my head almost smashed the back of the boat. And then as the boat was coming in, it almost squished my head between the docks. And I was swimming away. I almost got my legs cut off by the propellers. Oh, oh my God. But I don't know. I was so excited. But <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. But in that moment, I did not panic. I just realized, okay, I'm in a serious situation. I should probably just swim back away from the dock because I was at the edge of the dock, but still close enough for my head to get swished. Sorry if this is not safe for work for people who listen to my podcast thinking, oh, this could be a nice, nice episode. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you see the title and they're like, no, I probably shouldn't listen to this in my speaker at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you are interested, listen to it. But yeah, that was my experience with 
quote unquote, my near death experience. I don't know if that is considered one. But it is for sure. And I like my husband watched Deadliest Catch. So whenever he tells me like someone almost died, that's like all I want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what they caught. I want to know about their <laughs> life story. Exactly. Like what happened? How did it happen? How could it have been prevented? Like those are all the thought, like that process, like what could they have done to stop it? What can they have done to prevent it? And I think like that's the reason why, because I'm like, first of all, I guess if I'm not on a boat, it'll never happen. But besides that, if you're in the situation, what do you do to survive? And then what do you not do? And I think not panicking was probably the best thing that you could have possibly done. Yeah. Yeah. I was like kind of zoned out as I was going. I'm like, I went to body mode instincts. Like, all right, swim back. Don't just get out of the situ situation. And then I got out. I'm like, huh, that could have been more serious. And then I just went back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Which they probably, they probably appreciated because that's what they want you to do. I, I think on those boats. Yeah. From the little bit I know about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After you're almost getting your head squished, legs cut off, go yeah, back to work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what would you say was your biggest challenge when you first started learning about death? I honestly can't even remember a time not knowing about death. <laughs> That's the weird thing. Like, I can't remember it because I just remember growing up with a lot of TV. And back when it wasn't a 24-hour news cycle, it used to be like, you know, tune in at 8 o'clock to hear about this woman who was walking around a block and found a dead body. Like, that's what you listen to all day. And so you didn't really have a challenge when you first started, but you have a challenge now. Um, my challenge now is keeping away from pictures that are too grotesque. That's my biggest challenge. Like I'll have nightmares, which is really weird for someone who researches so much about death. I don't like um, so the, the really disrespectful pictures that are available. Like um, Ed Gein, the serial killer, has... You know, he had made people into furniture. So seeing those pictures weren't great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's definitely not something you want to have your breakfast with. No. Or like, and I have a really bad habit of doing a lot of my research at night while I'm in bed on my phone. So then if I see those pictures right before I fall asleep, then that's always, that's never good. I don't know about you, but I'm like the type of person when I'm, let's say I'm about to go to bed sometimes, I'm looking up, let's say, 9Gag. And if there's a disturbing mm -hmm. picture, I'm like, nope, I am not ending my night looking at the disturbing picture. I'm going to find, let's say, a funny picture or a cute picture. Yep, that's going to be the last picture in my memory. And then I go yeah, to bed. I, I do that. But I mean, like my brain can't help but like refocus on it. Because I remember the very first time it happened, it was, I don't even know what age I was, but I had accidentally found a picture of um, the murder, like the Black Dahlia murder and her face being ripped. Like, because he had carved like this really grotesque smile into her face and she was dismembered. And I found a picture and I had nightmares about it for weeks. I still have nightmares about it now or once in a while if I think about it, but I just do. And I don't even know if it's a good idea to mention it because I'm afraid of people sending me pictures now. All right, guys, do not, I don't think my audience is that type of send pictures, uh, but won't. if you're thinking of doing it, don't do it. Come on, guys, be respectful. I believe in you. You guys are good people. You're listening to these podcasts to learn. And uh, so far, you've been great to my guests and just keep up the good work. Yeah. And if it ever got to a point, I'd make my husband do it because I'm a big sissy, but he has a stronger <laughs> stomach than me. And so your, your podcast revolves around the structure of death. How did you actually build your podcast? Because like, there's so many true crime podcasts out there. What makes uh, your structure? Do you start by talking about death itself or and then or you try to build up 
to the death? Like, do you reveal this person's dead? And then you explain how, or are you like, this person lived, 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 and then he died or she died? It depends on what it is. Like I've done a couple of really random ones. I did like a, a structural building that collapsed in Korea that killed over a thousand people. I did um, the boat that sank in 2017 in Korea. So it, it, some of those don't have like a really beginning. I'll talk a little bit about how the boat was built or how the building was built. But some deaths, I start off right away with like this person died because there really isn't a ton of information about that. But then there's a ton of information of what follows. And I've listened to a few of your episodes. You talk a lot about the aftermath after the death as well, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm mostly interested in because, you know, it's, it's like people, and it's, it's a really sad thing to say, but it's like people who commit suicide like the aftermath is almost worse or almost always worse than the actual event because people have to survive what just this awful event that just happened to them because it doesn't just affect the person who died it affects the whole community and your family and your friends so i like being able to talk about the community aspect and the, and the family aspect because that's like and how if anything changes because of the incident because that's what interests me more no i completely understand it's the the domino effect of once that first domino falls, everything else or the snowball effect or one of those effects that would happen that it just sets off a chain reaction of things, whether it's courts or uh, families tearing apart or relationships, friendships. It, it's, it's a good concept. Like you present all the sides and you present it in a very respectful way. Thank you. I appreciate I try really hard and sometimes I'll say something and I'll edit it out because I'm like, I don't know how someone will misconstrue what it just said because I don't like it when I listen to something and I feel I feel kind of offended. And I think that's what I try to stay away from too, like offending too many people by sounding like I don't care about what happened to this person. Wait, you're telling me people get offended on the internet? I know, right? What? It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, not my internet. Uh no. <laughs> But uh, has studying death ever stressed you out? Just like reading a story, and you're like, oh, this is a little too much, too intense for me. It always stresses me out. Every time I read about it, it stresses me out because whenever something happens, I'm like, how did this even, like, how did it, it get out of hand so quickly? Why, like, I'm always questioning, like, I'll be in the middle of reading a book and I'll start yelling at the book. I'm like, why did, why did, did this not get stopped now? Why didn't someone stop this person at this point? Why did it, get to escalate to this other point or so it's that's always the case and that's what drives me crazy but at the same time i understand that you can't arrest someone unless they do something wrong even if they're caught like almost doing what they're about to do mm -hmm. and that's what it drives me completely insane whenever i read all the stories about that kind of stuff because it's like unless you're getting caught in the act it's not going to happen and what would you say are some misconceptions about people who do study death or learn about death? Um, we're not all obsessed with like, I can't really speak for everyone because there's so many of us. We're all, we all come from very different walks of life. I know that some, lots of people don't really like it, but I think there is a, a very large community and a large um, fascination with it because now nowadays, like every network has a true crime show every network has documentaries all the the true crime documentaries are going crazy and people love or love reading about this stuff so i think that there, there's more of us than there are people who don't enjoy it 
Yeah, it's a popular thing right now. Everybody's getting invested and it helps people learn about the truth in the world of, okay, it's not all peachy and rainbows and cupcakes. It's There's a dark side to the world too. I think you should know that if you live in the States and you, you, you turn on the news at any point. And unfortunately, that's just what, that's the truth there. That's, un that's unfortunate. Yeah. What has learning about death taught you in life? It's taught me that it's really important to appreciate every day. Like it's, a, it's such a, like a cliche thing to say, but I do appreciate every day I get to live because I, every time I read about someone dying, I feel like, well, I'm glad that I, I wasn't me, which is kind of a weird thing, especially if you're reading about like, that's from so long ago, but that's what I always think of like, well, I'm really glad it wasn't me and I should be really appreciative of it. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of my, in that situation. So it's just, I guess, like being able to live my life and not living in too much fear, which is kind of weird. Like it's paradoxical in the way that like, I'm so obsessed with not dying and I keep thinking about dying, but it gives me like a, some sort of comfort in knowing about how other people died. So in other words, you kind of found like that perfect balance to for you to enjoy life and also be precautious at the same time. Yeah, but there's <laughs> there's so much. It's it's such a weird it's such a weird thing because you the more you read about how people die, the more you realize that you could die from literally anything. Mm -hmm. So you know, like don't drink your water, don't even eat any food anymore, just in case. Because I recently did one about E. coli, and I'm like, so I guess you can't drink water either, or drink apple juice, or eat any fruit. Just don't don't leave the house. Speaking of which, D, does the news scare you? Not scare you, but you know how they say, this causes cancer, this will give you this, this will do this. Does that impose fear? Because I feel like every now and then I, well, not every now and then, pretty much every day now, I hear that everything gives you cancer. Literally, you walk too much gives you cancer. You blinking gives you cancer. You wearing boxers gives you cancer. I think because it hurts so much of how everything causes cancer, I just assume I have cancer. That is, <laughs> is, that really, is an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. I, it's really silly, but every time someone's like, well, you're going to get cancer from this. I'm like, well, then I already have cancer, I guess. Because there was like that big scare um, about ramen noodles giving you cancer because, you know, it's in the carcinogens and like the ramen noodles are really bad for you. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm dying of cancer soon. So I don't know. Well, I have a friend who kept on saying that kimchi gives stomach cancer. I mean, but then kimchi is also supposed to save you from the bird flu. So exactly. So know. it seems like the, the one thing that could save you will end up killing you in another way. So but water can now kill you too, because you can't trust your, you know, your government to keep the water clean anymore either. So damn it. I'm 70% water. What should I do with it? You should just get up. <laughs> just drain my water, replace it with some Nothing. mineral bottled water from... Nest not even that. <laughs> yeah. Not Nestle for sure. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, Coke. I'm going to put some Coca-Cola in my body. That's going to be my new water. I think if you boil the water and I think you need to like, <laughs> yeah, it's the whole thing. It's your, I just assume like everyone's going to die of cancer. And if you don't die of cancer, you're at this point, you're just trying to outrun the cancer in your body. So if you live a long time, you're supposed to get cancer just later in life. I have a, a strange theory about cancer where back, let's say 100 years, 200 years, 300, 400 years ago, people would say, oh, you died of the flu. And they just generalized everything as the flu. And nowadays, yeah. we're just pretty much generalizing everything as cancer. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. But I would feel like 
since there's so many cancers, we're just generalizing, calling, oh, it's just all cancer. But in the future, maybe 50 years from now, maybe tomorrow, maybe 100 years, they're going to say, well, this isn't actually a cancer. This is something else. Kind of like right now, our cancer is the equivalent to the flu maybe 300 years ago. I mean, I yeah, because people just live longer nowadays. And that's the real difference. So I feel like in the future, as we are going to be able to live longer, it's going to be different things. And if cancer is, um, well, I guess every cancer is different, but if cancer ever gets eradicated, then it'll be something else that's killing us. Exactly. Because bacterias and viruses always find a way to survive. That's that's their premise. They thrive, eat and multiply and survive. That's what bacteria do. And then they get immune. So when you build your own immune system, they'll have an immune system and it just goes on and on and on. Actually, you know what? Here's a rhetorical question, not a rhetorical question, but a hypothetical situation. If you have the possibility to live forever, would you do that? No. I, um, I can't, I've told, I'm, I've told my husband a couple of times too. I told him that he has to die after me because I can't watch someone else that I love that much die before me. Which is very selfish, but I can't, I can't, I wouldn't be able to because if, like, if I had, I don't have kids, but if I had kids and then I had to watch them die before me, it would, I wouldn't really see a purpose anymore. My wife says the exact same thing for our relationship as well. See, it's because it's, it's like this, this feeling of like, well, I found you that this is it, but you have to die after me because I don't want to deal with any of that. <laughs> it's a race to the bottom in a sense. Yeah, even though I am supposed to live longer, but he is younger, so we'll see how this works out. Same with my relationship with my wife. <laughs> ah, see, so let's we'll see. Ho- hopefully, we get our way, which is that the guys die after. Well, you say we, you didn't include me. No, I meant <laughs> you meant my I wife. Yeah, yes, of course. See, the, the Koreans stick together and we're just like we have to watch them you know they have to wait for us we die first and then and then it's fine afterwards <laughs> this 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 got really dark but funny <laughs> my wife's gonna listen to this like alex you know what i agree with her yeah you know <laughs> and uh so since you have a podcast this question is going to be pretty much useless but i'm going to ask it anyways do you want to present this hobby to the world or use it as an escape from reality i use it as both even though it's not really escape from reality because I'm covering something that's so in the present and is a part of our reality. But I just, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. I just like doing it. And I just like presenting something that people don't really cover as much, which is it's people, a lot of people do true crime and death podcasts, but I just like presenting, I guess, the less covered murders and less covered deaths. You're talking about the ones that don't get as much coverage, the ones that deserve some sort of spotlight, but don't get it. Yeah. Like there's so many of them, obviously, because so many people die every day. Like there's so many people who die every day. And even if there is like a big murder, then it gets completely overshadowed by something else that happens the next day. So. Well, there was an interesting case back here in Ottawa, I think it was a few years ago, of a nurse in a retirement home. She would... She killed eight, I believe, eight seniors. Oh, yeah. Well, we have one here, too. We have Elizabeth Wettlaufer. And she's, I think she killed ugh, like 70 or something. But yeah, it's, it's unfortunately very common. 
Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that stops there. It's but yeah, that's it doesn't. That's the worst part. You know that it. You know it's happening somewhere else, and you know it's yeah. Speaking of which, this might be another tough question. Do you think the fact that there's so much news coverage or uh, websites on the internet about murders encourages people to, let's say, murder? I think it does, which is probably the opposite of what I'm supposed to say because a lot of people want you to say that there should be more coverage on it. But I do think that people see these murders and they think like, oh, well, I could have done it better, which Oof. is, yeah. That's always my big fear when I read about something, like someone's going to read it and be like, well, what could I have done to not get caught? So that's what I was afraid of when I was watching CSI. Like, what if there's future murderers who watch the show and then now they take more serious forensic countermeasures after watching the show you almost hope that these tv shows make it so it seems like it, it looks real but it's pretty much impossible like when you watch a detective show and they say zoom in on that and it just suddenly gets yeah. the quality of the camera improves when you zoom in which isn't how cameras work no they don't but hopefully there's like stuff like that where they do it on purpose that it's not as easy as it looks on tv it's it is not as seen on tv <laughs> And for the most part, from a lot of the murders that I've covered, it seems like police police investigation for the most part is like they have an idea of who did it. So then they try to work a lot of evidence to fit whoever they think it is, which I don't not really sure if that's the best way. But that is I'm not a cop, so I don't actually know if that is the best way or not. But it always feels kind of biased. Whereas when you watch a TV show, then it's like they're completely unbiased and then they only they only follow evidence and they don't they don't let any preconceived notion of the suspects, I guess, like sway them in a certain direction. Whereas in real life, it happens all the time. Yeah, that, that's unfortunate. If you had to give one big piece of solid advice to anybody who's interested in learning about death, what would you tell them? I grew up in such a weird spot. Like I think about it now and I'm like, and nowadays you can just go on Reddit and just type in true crime and then join their community. And then for the most part, a lot of people are very respectful because if you're not, they'll just downvote you. And that's where I get, I, that's where I read a lot of information. But when I was younger, I used to go to like Barnes and Nobles or Borders and go through their clearance books and then buy all of their true crime books and read them. But I don't think that's how it works now. Now you have the, not the truth, but the information at your fingertip. Yeah, now you can look it up no matter where you are and you can even get connected with other people who think just like you from all over the world and discuss it. And that wasn't like a thing when I was younger. So it's so it's just weird. It's such a weird time to be in now. No, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Um, we're going to mention it again. Do you have any social media links, websites, podcasts, perhaps maybe uh, that you would like to share with the uh, listeners? Um, my podcast is People Keep Dying and my social medias are all People Keep Dying. My email is peoplekeepdying at gmail.com. There is so many podcasts out there. And, and as soon as like, I'm, I'm going to blank completely on it because I just recorded. So I said a ton of them. <laughs> no, I don't remember any names. <laughs> but um, there's a, like, I, I would say more than anything else, like to try 
a, a smaller podcast just because, yeah, you can go to the bigger podcast and check them out and they're going to cover a lot of the bigger stories and everything else. But there's there's a certain degree of like too polished and too many ads that I don't really like about a lot of the new, like bigger ones now. Then the sm- smaller ones also have a lot to offer as well. A lot, yeah, like the smaller ones have a lot to offer and it's always good to just listen in on different new ones. And plus, you'll feel you'll be able to make a better connection to the small ones anyways, because they're more likely to actually respond to you and try to, I guess, create more of a fan relationship with you than a bigger podcast where they have so many fans that they're not going to be able to respond to you every time. So, you know, of course, listen to the bigger ones. There's a reason why they're bigger, but also try to sprinkle in a couple of smaller ones. It's like listening to music. You know, you want to try out a couple of indie bands as well as the bigger popular ones that you already like. And uh, Angela is one of those people that responds very quickly. So yes. Yeah. I wouldn't say you're a small podcast. You're 40 episodes in, you're, you're doing well, but you're one of those podcasters that is connected to the community. Well, it helps that I work from work. So, uh, or sorry, I work from home. So I'm always on my phone. (laughs) Well, there you go. She, she has it glued to her fingers. So the moment you send a message, boom, she's right there. Yeah. Three in the morning, it's good. A lot of time for TV. Yes, of course. You got to learn somehow, right? That's uh, the true crime TV shows. All of them, but also a ton of every TV show. There, Angela is well-versed in every topic. She could start a podcast about anything. Almost any TV show. (laughs) (laughs) I would listen to that podcast for sure. Yeah, that was was a consideration for a podcast for a bit. You see, I don't think I could ever do that because... People, I, I speak very badly on about TV shows. Like, I'm very literal. Like, oh, Michael Scott, he just almost uh, hurt, killed somebody by hitting the, with them, hitting them with their car. Or that's it's, it's, it's on how you deliver. It's like he almost killed someone with his car. Okay, he almost he killed almost, somebody with yeah, his car. He almost killed Meredith. She has rabies, just like that. Do you yeah. remember the name of that uh, run for the find the cure for rabies? <laughs> Yeah, because my husband had the shirt and it was a very long, it was like Michael Scott, Scott's run for rabies cure or something like that. <laughs> awesome shirt. Awesome fundraiser name. Mm-hmm. So uh, the last question I have for you is, do you have any questions for me about death? I never asked. I, I, don't, I, I do ask this a lot, but is there a story about someone's death or a murder that's ever stuck with you that even if you're not interested in it, it's been... You think about it a lot. Um, actually, yeah. Uh, now that I think about it, I don't know if you ever you remember this one, but there was a girl. I think she was from Vancouver, and mm-hmm. she went to go visit. I think it was in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. she ended up in a um, water container on the roof. Yeah, she was. It's Alyssa Lamb, or yeah, I think her, her name was Alyssa Lamb, and it was at the hotel. Like I want to say Cecil, Cecile or something, but I actually know where that hotel is because my grandma doesn't live that far away from there. And then she ended up in the water tank and then no one really knows what happened to her. Yeah. Did they ever find the reason? No. So that's, no. That, that stuck to me because I was like, oh, that was really interesting. And there was a video camera, like a video. Yeah. Of her in the elevator. Yeah, being she's like. Weird. Yeah. 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 She does stick to me a lot, especially since like that hotel was kind of known as like the weird hotel because a couple of serial killers stayed there before and, you know. But yeah, that was definitely the death that uh, stuck to me because it's such a mystery where 
how do because apparently i think the water tank was pretty heavy or how do you open yeah, the it lid, up yeah the lid was very heavy and like she had taken her things out and it was just like how did she end up in there and then also close the tank on herself and yeah that's why it was weird yeah so that's that's definitely the one that stuck to me but uh yeah that's so yeah there you have it another body with a hobby thank you so much angela for coming on and touching a subject that i never thought i was going to touch but i did really enjoy it i learned a lot i exposed my new i would say uh, you expanded my mind on the principle of death yeah <laughs> that's what i'm here for that's what i do to everyone around me that isn't really make a lot of friends but it's fine no no we're friends now we're friends we're gonna connect yeah. <laughs> on a lot of different things we're connecting on our podcast for, because we're podcasters we're gonna connect mm -hmm. on death hopefully in i don't know how we're gonna do that i i'm still learning it's a process i like to connect with every guest i have on their hobby so eventually i will connect with you and everybody else so i'm gonna yeah. be the man who's just gonna have like a hobby for every five seconds like boom 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 yeah death yo yo boom oh ruby's cube oh walking oh uh, I don't know, podcasting, <laughs> just <laughs> everything. But thank you so much again, Angela. No problem. Thank you for having me. So if you want to learn more about Angela, you can go check her out on her social media websites. I'll put them all in, in the description below so you guys can go check that out. If you would like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you could send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you think this podcast is going to be helpful for anybody, by all means, share it with them. True crime is a very popular concept right now. So if you know anybody who's interested in the people behind true crime, true crime podcasts, you can send them to Angela's podcast and even share this podcast episode to know the people behind making the story and how they're interested in death or the concept of death and learning death. And uh, so, yeah, until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>